This TFMR podcast is brought to you by your friends at JM Bullion. Visit jmbullion.com for all your gold and silver bullion needs. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to your Thursday conversation. I know we try to do these every week, but I haven't been uh, too diligent about that lately. But here we are. It's actually Wednesday, October the 19th, as we record this. And I have a brand new guest for everyone uh, to get to know, though many of you already know him. And it is a um, a great honor to visit with him. I'm and happy to say I've been connected um, with Jim through some of you here at the site. So I appreciate that. But the guest is James Howard Kunstler, who is an author of more than 20 books. He's also a blogger, podcaster, all around Renaissance man, observer of uh, everything that's going on in the world. And uh, like I said, it's great to get a chance to uh, get to know him a little bit. Jim, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure to be with you. Kunstler.com, K-U-N-S-T-L-E-R.com is where they can find you and your work, correct? Correct. My blog comes out Mondays and Fridays and not the days in between at 10 o'clock Eastern time. And what else do they find there? Oh, I I got a podcast. I have some other features, you know, Um, not a whole lot, but just enough. Well, I, and I, like I said, it's an, it's an honor to get a chance to visit with you because I've been a fan from afar for a number of years. And I, I, it, it's funny in, in getting a chance to record a, a Thursday conversation. Usually I, what I do as the interviewer, I come at it. I have like three main questions, three main topics, you know, mm-hmm. that I want to cover. And uh, Jim, I, I could talk to you all day. I, I think probably. Um, and so I don't really know where to start. Uh, and what those three questions should be. But, you know, maybe I'll come at it from this direction because uh, everybody here knows that I write, <clears throat> excuse me, every January, what is often an exercise in futility where I try to write an annual, what I call a macro cast, where it's like, okay, we'll give this a try. Here's where I think the big mm-hmm. themes are going to be for the year ahead. And uh, we'll see how that turns out. <clears throat> you have done and, and continue to do much the same. Yeah, I put one out around, I don't know, early January or some Christmas time sometimes. And, uh, you know, you do your best. Uh, It's really uh, history is so perverse. And, you know, history as it spools out forward is so perverse. It's it's quite uh, uh, difficult to predict the future. And, you know, but you do your best. And but these are particularly odd and perilous times. Right. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to. uh, get the, the conversation moving forward, I think is an important task. So, you know, we should do that and well, we should pay attention. We should have a conversation. We've still got a couple months to go in 22, but maybe that's where I, I was thinking, maybe that's where we should start. What, what, what do you, if you were writing your 2023 forecast right now, what, what do you think you'd focus on? Well, I think the theme going forward is going to be disorder and uh, disorder in the, the many systems that we depend on. For daily life, uh, and by that I mean the energy systems and their distribution systems, uh, transportation like trucking is going to be a big deal. It's already turning into a big deal, for example, in the Northeast here, where it turns out uh, we don't have enough kerosene. Uh, the Port of Albany, which is a major distribution point uh, in the east, has no kerosene at all in storage and the truckers need it because they have to make like a 70 30 or a 60 40 mix of kerosene and diesel fuel in order to prevent the fuel lines from clogging up in extreme cold weather. So 
that's looking like it's going to be an interesting problem. Yeah. Um, we've got a whole set of geopolitical whirlwinds uh, around the planet. And um, some of them are very, very dangerous. They're turning into major, you know, cyclones. Um, the financial system is cracking up and we don't exactly know what and what we're going to be using for money and what it's going to be worth. And indeed, what anything is going to be worth, uh, you know, 12 months from now. And I think uh, we've got a huge problem with civil order because they're, they're you know, the, the, as far as I can tell, uh, there are an awful lot of pissed off people in the USA. Um, there ought to be more pissed off people in Europe, but they appear to be a little bit more uh, transfixed by uh, whatever hoodoo has been laid on them than than we have. But here in America, there are an awful lot of people who are not only pissed off, but probably kind of primed to do something about it. And uh, I don't I, I expect the uh, months ahead to be very difficult. The election itself, uh, you know, uh, I, I think many of us are hoping it simply goes forward. But, uh, you know, there's reason to believe that there's going to be some screwing around with that. And uh, uh, especially uh, what looks like an attempt by the Joe Biden government to start a war, a real war, a real hot war with us in it not just, uh, you know, bystanders. Right. So those are some of the things uh, that I see. And, and so I say disorder is going to be the, the order of the day. Yeah. You, you, you've written books about energy. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I mean, I, boy, is that ever going to be a focus? It seems too. you know, and you mentioned, uh, the diesel and kerosene problems we have here, but in the energy problems in Europe, I, yeah. What do you They do committed you... suicide? Yeah. You know, they just committed suicide. And uh, it, it's really hard to figure out <clears throat> what's going through the minds of the people in in Olaf Scholz's government in Germany. Um, you know, they don't they didn't have a plan A. They don't have a plan B and they don't have a plan C, D, E, F, G. You know, they just uh, went along with our stupid uh, sanctions against Russia ended up screwing themselves mm -hmm. and uh you know and now somebody it looks like either the u.s the uk or ukraine itself perhaps and and perhaps poland uh blew up the pipe the uh, uh Nord Stream pipe pipelines yeah. obviating any chance to actually uh renegotiate that situation and uh you know they're they're screwed uh um there seem to be all kinds of age old geopolitics, you know, lurking in the background that we don't even know about here in America or take much into consideration. For example, the hatred of the uh, of the Brits for the Germans and uh, the feelings about the Russians uh, of, of the Germans mm -hmm. and vice versa and how deeply those things go. But it looks like someone's trying to wreck somebody. And uh, they've certainly succeeded in wrecking uh, uh, Western Europe and to some extent, Western civilization in general. When you talk about societal unrest here, I wonder about societal unrest there. Well, you would, except, uh, yeah, you would, except there's, there seems to be very little evidence of it at the moment. I right. mean, you've had the farmer strike in the Netherlands and, you know, some street protests in Italy, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, uh, Germany. But, uh, you know, Germany's really the the industrial beating heart of Europe. It's not going to have any industry uh, going forward if they can't get natural gas. 
uh, or at least affordable natural gas. It's one thing to get it, you know, in a pipeline from Russia at a price that you can afford to pay. It's quite another thing to get natural gas uh, in uh, liquefied form from the USA. It's very expensive to move that stuff. Right. You know, you have to have these special terminals where you uh, where you uh, condense and lower the temperature of the gas and liquefy it and then put it on these very expensive tanker ships, which, by the way, are like floating, gigantic floating bombs. Right. Uh, right. And and then you have to offload it again at another terminal at the receiving end. And, you know, the, the stuff ends up being four or five times more expensive than just gas flowing through a pipeline. So that's not necessarily going to solve their problems. And, uh, you know, they're looking at just you know, freezing this winter and maybe, you know, maybe Western Civ is just now so brain dead that it, uh, you know, it can't do anything to save itself. Well, I guess we're going to find out. I'm sitting here thinking to myself after the Nord Stream stuff and the, as you refer to those uh, liquid natural gas carriers as floating bombs, that might be another, that might be kind of a not soft target, but that might be something. They are on, soft targets. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're very soft targets. You know, <clears throat> you can track them very easily. They're surface right. vessels. Right. You know, and uh, we know where the terminals are for sure. Yeah. At both ends. Yeah. And, for- uh, you know, people have been worried about that for years. Uh, it's not a new thing. And it's one of the things that has, uh, you know, made uh, LNG kind of a spooky project all yeah. along. Yeah. But, of- and also, not not the least of which is because, you know, uh, these ships have to go into uh, contested international places mm-hmm. and places where there are conflicts. So, so uh, you know, stuff you can to, happen uh- to them. Upend the apple car, you know, and say, well, you think you're going to replace it with liquid, uh, uh, liquefied natural gas? Well, maybe not now. Um, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. All right. Well, anyway, um, let's, as this relates then to, let me, let me ask you about uh, something we have a mutual friend, Tom Luongo, has talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is this idea of the Fed <clears throat> kind of going against the Davos crowd or the rest mm. of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as we describe the situation in Europe, or even, you know, you extend it to Japan. Uh, boy, do they have both of those central banks, those governments, those people, their economies have problems on their hands, which then just by default makes the Fed look stronger or the U.S. look stronger. Mm-hmm. What do you make of, uh, I'm sure you've discussed that with Tom. What do you think? Oh, yeah, of we did talk about it. And he's talked about it on other people's podcasts, too. And, yeah, his his theory is that uh, uh, Jerome Powell, the chief of the Fed and the Fed itself is is attempting to play some kind of an uh, heroic role in a great international drama against the Davos gang. Now, you know, it, it has been a little bit hard to take the Davos gang that seriously because, you know, their, their fearless leader is this cartoon character named, you know, Klaus Schwab, mm-hmm. who I call the Schwaben Klaus. And um, he, he seems to be a kind of a, character that came out of a james bond movie slightly laughable but on the other hand you have to really uh uh, be impressed by the coordinated efforts going on from country to country to do the same things to lock down their citizens to administer vaccines to them that are not safe and not effective and uh to uh destroy their economies and uh, these things are going on in a strange coordinated way and you wonder how that happens. And uh, I, you know, it's it's just it's mystifying. And uh, it's the biggest mystery of this whole long 
a nauseating affair. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, I don't really know how the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the Davos crowd are actually able to control much of anything. They don't have a, an army. How many divisions yeah. does Klaus Schwab have? Yeah. You know, they don't have. I mean, all I've got is some kind of uh, vague sort of influence over various club members that they've installed in political positions. But I, it's very, very hard to to grok. I, you know, I have uh, a theory of my own. I had Matthias Desmet, the Belgian psychologist, yeah. on mm -hmm. my podcast, and he's been all over on everybody's podcast mm -hmm. uh, after his book, uh, The Psychology of Totalitarianism, came out. He's got this theory called mass formation psychosis. Didn't yep. or originate with him. You know, it springs out of uh, Hannah Arendt's writings and the writings of many other uh, people before. Um, but the idea is that, you know, uh, society enters a certain kind of a psychological priming condition. In the case of the U.S., it was this uh, widespread feelings of loneliness, helplessness, anxiety, etc. And then the people sort of snap into a kind of a psychotic state and they desperately go along with any narrative that uh, 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 pretends to keep them safe. And we've seen that happen in the USA. Uh be, you know, uh, the, what, what, another one of the strange abiding mysteries of this period is why the thinking classes of the Western world have been most affected by these uh, absurd narratives. And, um, you know, like the, this all of the sexual and racial hustling that's go going on yeah. to try to make us believe idiotic things. And um, my own theory is that. Uh, uh, well, let me backtrack a minute, a minute and say I wrote a book called The Long Emergency, came out in 2005, and it was basically outlining what would be a possible collapse of industrial society. And I think that somewhere in the back of many people's minds is this idea that the this apprehension that we are, in fact, headed for a lot of trouble, that um, industrial civilization is a very tenuous thing now may not be able to continue and that all of our basic arrangements uh are in jeopardy and i think that basic anxiety is is what is driving that uh mass formation uh phenomenon interesting yeah and and because you know the, the it is visibly you know visibly things are, are really cracking up right our, right uh, all of these complex systems that are mutually <clears throat> dependent on each other that which you know the failures of any one of them ramifies the failures of the others like you know you get a you get a failure in the kerosene distribution system all of a sudden there's no food in the supermarket because the truckers can't deliver right. food you know uh the, the fertilizer plants won't won't uh, deliver fertilizer the you know the uh, diesel engines of the agricultural machines won't run you know etc cetera, etc cetera. um and th these are the kinds of uh, uh, kind of cascading failures that we're looking at. And of course, they redound very, very seriously into finance, the connection between our energy um, uh, complex and, and our energy inputs and the operations of finance are very clear, especially when you're dealing with a financial system that is based on debt and the expectation that borrowed money will be paid back. You know, all of our financial relations 
depend on that expectation uh, being real, that that the debts that we are racking up will be paid back. And therefore, the um, uh, the the supposed capital that all that all those promises represent is for real. And, uh, you know, we're heading into a situation now where uh, we, we really don't have any plausible expectation that the promises to pay back all this money are real. And therefore, uh, that is going to affect uh, how we think of the capital it represents and the right, instruments right. that represent it. You know, the, <clears throat> not just the derivatives, which are the jankiest instruments of all, but, you know, the bonds, uh, the really basic things that are the building blocks of our financial system. So uh, I think what we're going to see is what uh, the bankers would call a workout, you know, of epic proportions in which just about everything gets repriced one way or another. And an awful lot of stuff that pretends to represent wealth will turn out not to. And, and, and I do believe that it, a lot of that hinges on the fact that we simply don't have enough uh, affordable fossil fuel energy coming into the system anymore. And, and market tends to sort out that at a higher price when it works out that way. And obviously that has ramifications, but I, I'm getting, I, I, and, and it kind of leads me back to the, what I was thinking about what um, a minute ago, Jim, was that you talk about complex system failure, you know, and, yeah. and, and across the economy yeah. But I think you can relate that specifically to the monetary system, the banking system and what the Fed is doing. You know, sure. do you when you look ahead from here, you know, there are people that think, oh, yeah, the Fed is they're just trying to break things because they know that things have to reset. I, I'm kind of more in the camp. You know, the Fed just they want to keep the plate spinning as long as they can. And that maybe what will drive a shift in policy will be. Like something within this complex system failing. A lot of things are already failing and, and have been set up for, to fail. And one of them, most conspicuously, in the operations of finance and banking is the whole uh, question of price discovery. Price discovery is a very yeah. fundamental function yep. mm -hmm. of, of all of the financial system and, and of its markets. That's how we determine the, the, the value of things. And all of the monkeying that central banks have done with the terms of uh, monetary arrangements have disabled the price discovery system. Uh, you know, we see this especially, I think, in, in the precious metals realm. Yeah. And and in that realm also, there are actors who have been obviously surreptitiously monkeying around with uh, the price of, of silver and gold. Yep. And, but... You know, it's you, you can't really say that uh, the value of anything is honestly represented. Obviously, that has implications, too. It's like anything else, you know, in economics. Yeah. If, if you hold the price artificially too low, it creates shortages. And then that has to ripple through as well. Mm -hmm. Do you do you, so do you expect or, no, or can you expect uh, or anticipate where this all heads from here economically, Jim? Um. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that uh, we we are in for a reset, but it's not going to be Klaus Schwab's reset. It's going to be the, a reset of uh, uh, Western civilization and probably really most of the whole world having to uh, contract, having to go more local, um, having to um, 
downsize and downscale all of our activities, you know, uh, things like farming, we're going to have to do that probably on a, on a finer, smaller, um, more uh, uh, evenly distributed basis with more human attention and fewer giant machines. Um, you know, we're going to have to reorganize commerce uh, in America, what that means is, you know, we're we're going to have to kiss the big box stores goodbye and the whole national chain retail thing. And we're going to have to reorganize local uh, networks of uh, economic interdependency, you know, rebuild the wholesaling networks and the distribution networks. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to have to rebuild. We, we, we really badly need to rebuild the American railroad system sure. because. You know, if we don't, we're going to we're not going to have any way to get around this continental sized nation. Um, and we, we've been extremely stupid about that. You know, neither the public nor their leaders in politics have shown any interest in doing that. And it's terribly important. Uh, and for one reason, um, it's supremely important, which is that the infrastructure is lying out there in the rain waiting to be fixed. And we need to demonstrate to ourselves that we're capable of doing something. And if we could fix the railroad system, that would be a, uh, a tremendous investment in our future. It wouldn't be that expensive to begin the project, despite the bullshit that you hear out of California and their, you know, their ridiculous high speed rail project, because we're not going to do high speed rail. That's not going to happen. But we had a railroad system in this country that was the envy of the world in the 1920s. And um, and today, you know, people would be delighted to be able to go from New York to Chicago at 100 miles an hour and get there, leave on time and get there on time. That's one of the projects that we could begin doing that would help us a lot. But we're going to have to reorganize everything. You know, I think that the power of the federal government is going to be necessarily reduced. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to end up becoming a, this giant flailing, uh, uh, inept, uh, impotent, incompetent uh uh institution that just can't get anything right it's already kind of doing that right now and uh you know its influence i think is going to become a smaller thing in our lives so uh but you know there are many hurdles along the way we're gonna have to get over like uh i don't doubt that there will be some effort to try to do uh you know a digital uh banking system and a digital right. currency and a lot of people are very uh, uh upset about the prospect of that and i think reasonably so because the whole thing seems to imply just another gigantic effort to surveil the population and control right. them but uh, i don't think that's ever going to work i don't think americans will submit to that europeans might but not us you know there's if that happens there's going to be some some real mayhem and it, it almost sounds jim it, you're describing as i'm listening to you talk Almost as if we have to wash out, kind of roll back all of this kind of not necessarily fake prosperity, but debt based prosperity of the last 50 years. Yeah, well, it is kind of fake. You know, yeah. we have been faking it for a long time and, and just borrowing incessantly from the future to keep our stuff running today. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we're not going to run Walt Disney World, the U.S. military, suburbia. Yeah um uh walmart and all the rest of the kit of u.s daily life on any other form of energy you know on solar wind um uh used french fried potato oil uh 
you know, or, or, or anything else. And it means we're going to have to make new arrangements for daily life, but, uh, but they don't have to be the arrangements offered by Klaus Schwab. It doesn't have to be eating bugs. Right. But uh, Jim, I just, one other thing I, I, I thought would be a good way to kind of sum up and wrap up and, yeah. and I, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Cause there's just so many more things I'd like to kind of pick your brain at. Um, but you know, we mentioned uh, being the author of twenty books, and you've talked, you've mentioned a couple of them. Yeah. Um, what, given where we are here in twenty twenty two, if you could recommend somebody go to Kunstler.com, go on Amazon, whatever, and 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 buy one of your books, just to say, okay, start here. Given where we are, which book would it be? Well, I'd say uh, read too much magic. Um, okay. Uh, the subtitle of it was Wishful Thinking, Technology, and the Fate of the Nation. And I, you know, even though it was published in 2012, I think it gives a pretty good overview of some of the weak weaknesses in our situation and some of the things we might consider doing. And that was, again, that was in 2012? I think so. Yeah, I think that was the date. The, what was the other one that you'd mentioned before? Um, the Long I, Emergency? I, yeah. Yeah. The Long Emergency. 20, 2005. What, what would someone take from that one? Well, it just basically lays out uh, the case that uh, we got a lot to be concerned about with our fossil fuel supply. We got a lot to be concerned about with epidemic diseases and with uh, uh, central with central bank fuckery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the really everything we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. Yeah. But too much magic. I'm, I'm just pulling it up on your website now with the subtitle Wishful Thinking Technology and the Fate of the Nation. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that all fits together. That's <laughs> what we've been talking about. That's for sure. Yeah. And we've been in a very wishful thinking society right. for quite a while, you know? Right. And, uh, that's what all this, uh, you know, Green New Deal bullshit has been about. It's all rather delusional that again. Absolutely. In California was a good example of that. No, no more gasoline cars, but they completely yeah. forget you got to plug it into something to charge it. Yeah. And you can't plug it in this week because we got, you know, we got some problems with the weather. Right. Exactly. Um, and that would be wishful thinking and delusional and no question yeah. about it. Um, Jim, thank you. This is, I, again, I, I, I really like to keep in touch and do sure. more in the future just because sure. I, I think I just sense there's so many things I'd like to get your opinion on, but I wanted to get you introduced to everybody today. Um, tell them again to go to Kunstler.com. Uh, that's where you'll find uh, the blog Clusterfuck. I can't even get it out right. Clusterfuck Nation. Of course, we never talk about clusterfucks on this site. Um, <laughs> uh, you call it Fubar Nation too, right? That'd be another one. Well, um, uh, some, that can be somebody else's blog. Yeah, there you go. You put these out every Monday and Friday, so I would imagine I somebody. You can have one uh, here tomorrow. I will. Uh, no, that's Thursday. Um, uh, tomorrow, well, we're going to post this on Thursday, so on Friday. Oh, okay, yeah, well, it'll be tomorrow. Got a got a got a hint of what that one will. Talk about when people go there. If you start, um, actually, I, there's an awful lot to talk about with the um, uh, shenanigans around the COVID vaccines and mm-hmm. COVID itself, and mm-hmm. and I I think I might be writing a blog about that. A very that's dangerous fun. situation. Yeah, you know we're really being war. We're, you know we're really having a trip laid on us. Yes, that 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 would be a topic that we could probably talk about for 45 minutes. You know about you um, why. It, you know, is, is it, um, 
they make it sound like they were no 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 we're not there's no uh, nefarious intention in here at all we just all trust science and I'll be, yeah no, except that's... that everything looks nefarious yeah exactly and it quacks like a nefarious duck yes it does yes it does um well anyway jim thank you so much um it, it, this has been great fun and i hope we can uh speak again sometime soon um in the meantime though gosh i, I just hope we can survive till sometime soon so we can talk again these are going to be very interesting three weeks leading up to the election. That's for sure. That's I think for we sure. all know that. All right, my friend, thank you so much for your time. And um, uh, like I said, I, I wish you the best and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Use welcome. And from all of us here at TFMR, thanks for listening. And uh, we will have another Thursday conversation for you next week. Mm-hmm.